You are listening to iFanboy's Booksplode on Starman Omnibus Volume 2. Welcome back to iFanboy's Booksplode. I say back because it, maybe it's been a little while, but that's not because we don't love you. iFanboy's Booksplode is from iFanboy.com, our website, all about comic books. And Booksplodes are the show where we pick a volume of comic. Uh, we only pick good ones, so I'm going to say good comic, goodness. Comic yeah. greatness. Uh, all right, greatness. And, and we get together with some of the iFanboy staff, and we talk about that book in detail. Um, I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hello. And those dulcet tones you already heard, that's Connor Kilpatrick. Hello, everyone out there in Radio Land. <laughs> It'd be great if somebody actually found a way to put these on their radio to make it feel <laughs> all more old time. Podcast land, internet land. Uh, you may remember that uh, way back, I think it was the first Booksplode that we did, um, we talked about Starman Volume 1 Omnibus. Correct. And so we're, gonna, we're doing the whole series. So the inevitable question, are you going to finish you're damn right we are. We make no guarantees on timeliness. No, it'll we... be 2048, but... Uh, I really old. liked the ending when he went into space. I'll be as old as you guys by the time we're done. Oh, shut oh. up, son of a bitch. The, the healthcare bill will have just kicked in by then. <laughs> My Medicaid will be, will be covered. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's get started. We're going to talk about uh, the second volume of the Starman, Starman Omnibus. If you haven't read or listened to the, the first one or any of these, there's, there's going to be spoilers. So, so deal with it or go back and listen to the first Omnibus for a lively discussion, I'll call it. It's a feisty one. It was. Um, now, now, Paul, let's, just to recap, Paul was a convert, didn't think he liked Starman, got That's into right. the first Omnibus, liked Starman. Yes. Um, After two tries, right? Yeah. The first try, I didn't like it. Yeah, it, it, it took saying, oh, let's do a show about this for me to really commit to it. And once I got past the first couple of epi- uh, issues, um, it's sort of the, like they got into their groove. Uh, and you realized the shade was written right just for you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, we'll get, to, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> and Connor, close, I, close I gave home. the first two trade paperbacks to about a decade ago. Yeah. And that's all you had ever read. So. I read those about four times. The, the Omnibus, <laughs> the first volume covered all the trades I'd already read, so I'd read those about five or six times. And this <laughs> is the first time I've ever read anything new beyond the finale issue, the Black Knight issue that came out however long ago. So this is the first new material I've ever read. So um, here's where we are uh, in, the, in the Starman lore, basically. Now everything's been set up. You know who, who Jack Knight is. You know his situation with his father. You're starting to get the cast together. Uh, and this sort of continues that uh, continues that actually starts introducing more and more characters, which is one of the things that was fun about it. But it really gets into the point where you can start to really explore who these people are and these characters and because there's not as much grunt work to do. And this is when, for me, it starts to get really very, very satisfying. Well, it was interesting. I, I had a thought while I was reading this in that the first volume is pretty much a straightforward narrative of Jack Knight who is the new Starman and, the, and we should mention that James Robinson's the writer and Tony Harris is primarily the artist though in this volume there's lots of artists for reasons we'll get into in a moment, moment. but the first volume is pretty much if I recall correctly just the story of Jack Knight becoming Starman learning the ropes accepting himself as Starman and then this volume sort of slows it way down in fact it goes backwards in, in a lot of points which was really interesting in that there's not a lot of the forward story in this volume 
because they put a lot of the showcase ep- issues in the annuals. And for the most part, those are all flashbacks to the old JSA days, which were awesome. But just th- in terms of forward momentum, the story, this volume doesn't really j- jump way ahead like you'd think it would because there's a lot of issues in it. not specifically true. Uh, in the way that I mean, it kind of is, but in the way that all of these, it's it's all one big story. Sure, it all ties together, but yeah. in terms of actual forward, you're going, you're, you're doing a lot of flashbacks, which of course will tie in. But at the same time, you know, there's not a lot of Jack Knight in this. Mm-hmm. And, and is, for first time readers, it it does feel like it's sort of branching out and going onto tangents. But I'm sure that it all comes back together at some point. Well, you know, as a whole, the whole story is really it's a it's a story of legacy. It's a, it's really the story of. Jack and Ted more than anything. And so this is all the stuff that goes around it and exploring sort of what that legacy is. Um, for me, this this one actually includes some of my absolute favorite stories. Um, th- more than anything is the, uh, the, the Sandman story. The, uh, that's a great arc. Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's, a- it's as good as anything else in the series. I think there's one other story which I really like uh, more than that. But there is speci- basically uh, there's a mystery and, and Jack needs help. So he goes in to talk to Wesley Dodds, uh, who was the Sandman in the Golden Age. And out of all of the sort of people from the JSA who were de-aged, uh, Wesley didn't make it. Um, so he's, he's actually very, very old and decrepit. And he has a wife, uh, Diana, who is uh, also an author, who is one of Jack's like idols he thinks she's a wonderful author and he goes to see them and it's kind of awkward this this, some of the stuff that i loved about this is it would have been so easy for them to write this story and have him have jack or ted knight and wesley dodds be be, have been friends and they were good old buddies but it wasn't like that it was slightly awkward between them and i just i found that sort of change to be a little different and because it was cool because one guy had a different impression of the relationship than the other guy did yeah i like that a lot one you know you know, you don't, you, you don't usually get that amount of nuance in these things. Yeah. Like one guy thought they were good friends, the other guy was like, "We never really hung out." It's, <laughs> it's sort of like when you when you meet one of your dad's old friends or something that you didn't know as a kid, and it's like you when you realize that they're they're people too, and it's mm-hmm. it, they're complicated relationships, and everybody's not perfect, and everybody didn't just love each other and stuff like that. So it's it's cool. This yeah. also this this storyline won the Eisner for our best arc. Oh, did it? Uh, yeah. The, well, one thing about this volume that if people who have been reading uh, James Robinson's stuff lately, including especially Cry for Justice, which people, a lot of people read just for his essays, mm-hmm. he has an essay in the back of this, yeah, which was really good, and it talks about um, that story arc in particular because it, it, a it won the Eisner and b um, basically there there was a Vertigo series about Sandman, Sandman Mystery Theater that I have one volume of. I don't. I want to get more of them. And and James Robinson's all he said he's all pissed off because once the story goes to Vertigo, technically it's not in the universe anymore, quote unquote. And he, he, this is basically his attempt to say screw that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just I'm bringing him back into the the DC universe. So, and you have that original art. You have the guy Davis art from that series. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, is that what that's from? Because I yeah. I got to that and I was like, oh, guy Davis, guy Davis, guy Davis did like I think he did most of them, not all. Yeah. Um, for me, like this really came together, this whole arc, uh, the Sand and Stars arc is the name of it. I think mm-hmm. at the end of the very first issue of that, uh, Jack's up on the roof wrestling with some bad guys and you turn the page to a big page of Wesley Dodds and his gas mask and his liver spotted bald head. And it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I mean, th- the other thing to be said is that throughout this whole thing is, is Tony Harris at, at his apex in the series. 
uh i mean he hits he's just there's some wonderful pages in this it's definitely uh, an improvement over the last one because he's really starting to feel comfortable with anything but i mean like if you look at this arc and specifically how he draws wesley dodds like he's kind of stooped in his pants or you know his clothes are all kind of too big because he's he's wasted away a little bit and it's just a like it's one way to draw elderly which is different than how he drew ted knight uh, you know who's older but not as old and just really good work yeah, now this this and this is the more I, I think we talked about the last time that the art was l- an old school Tony Harris, and this is more the kind you expect now that you see from his work now, and it's it's definitely a, a different. I like the styles; they're both different styles. I like them both, but uh, every, basically, anytime he drew a page in this volume, it was really really good stuff. Yeah, and you know that that whole story arc is such a. It's just basically about like a, a, a was a businessman who's trying to like it's an insurance scam. It's like this fraud, yeah. It's not it's not like aliens or any of that stuff. It's just sort of bad guys and crooks and henchmen and. That's very much in the vein of Sandman. He's yeah. he's sort of the, the noirish. He doesn't wear a costume, and that's why Jack likes him because he just wears a suit and a gas mask and a hat and a fedora, and he's got a cool badass fear. I'm not fear gas gun, but a gas gun. And there's a, and there's a zeppelin crash. And he and he sports a cane because he's old. But I, I like I just like I like everything about this 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 particular arc. It was a fun. It was a real joy to read. Um, yeah, I think that that's my favorite. Um, just standalone Jack Knight arc, like straight up um, adventure story with his character. Um, whereas the rest of it's sort of like character moments, like where he goes to to see the fortune teller and um, you know the other tangents with the old JSA stuff. So if you just want to isolate that, that's a, just a really great Starman story. Absolutely, and you can kind of just read that really mm-hmm. as far as i can tell um one of the other things about this one that i wanted to bring up is i i, I think i mentioned this before but i love the uh, every once in a while i don't know if it's every 10 issues specifically but there's the ones where uh jack is visited in his dreams by his brother davy yep um mm-hmm. and, and this time like he brings them on a pirate ship and they have a one issue pirate adventure it's apparently because tony uh harris is obsessed with pirates He's, yeah he is obsessed with pirates um, which you would think that shoehorning that into here would not work, but it's not. It is as fun as anything uh, in the series. There's more of these as time goes on, but uh, this one is just like, no, let's let's play pirate, and then and then you turn the page and he gets to go see his mom on the island, and it's it's like touching all at once, and like at this point you know the characters, and uh, like all those those moments really can hit home the emotional moments and stuff like this. It was also really helpful to me as someone who uh, hasn't looked at Starman since the last time we talked about it, and they sort of recap everything that's happened so far, and he just explains everything that's happened in the last year to his brother. So it's like, oh, that's that's great. I might be annoyed with all the ex- exposition if I were reading this monthly, but uh, just jumping into another omnibus, it was it was pretty good. I think those issues are so good that I feel like I get past them. Mm-hmm. Um. I think actually when you when you when you when you take this omnibus on balance, I think the shade is the main character of this omnibus. Yeah, that, I think, yeah, I think that was the next thing to get to. The most most stories seem to revolve around him and his adventures through time, including way 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 in the future. Mm-hmm. But and that's one of the really interesting things when you really start to see uh, Robinson sort of letting his imagination sort of go, not in a bad way. Uh, in a good way, uh, you know, like oh, he unleashes it really. Yeah, there's that, you know, there's this sort of story that goes on in the future where there's all these kids who are descendants of of the knights in some way, and they're like, "Tell us a story," and so, you know, and just the way that he writes the shade, like I could read it for days and days and days, and so you know, he's he's building up this legacy of star men, uh, and this is the uh, I forget what this one's name is, Gavin, Prince Gavin. 
um, is one of them. And I think there's more of those too. Yeah. And all great, um, different storytelling styles than the regular Jack Knight stuff. Like that particular one felt like, like a Jim Starlin kind of space opera. Mm -hmm. It just came out of nowhere. And it didn't, you know, the art style was great. Uh, there's a, there's a, you know, uh, Michael has like a disco Starman adventure that knocked me out. And I would think, I would think that that's the kind of story that I wouldn't like. Um, but it really, like it worked really well. Um, Mm -hmm. it was a fun one where he, he meets like one other of his kind and they're warring sort of people and they're in this disco and they're dressed ridiculously and they're going to fight through dance. Yep. And they, they have a they have a mental <laughs> fight sitting at it. Sitting they, at they a, mentally dance. The table I, doing coke and smoking cigarettes. Which you is shockingly got through ten years, ten or fifteen years ago, whenever it came through. Um, I'm actually thinking back now. There's a lot of really good story arc. I mean, I, I love the Sandman arc, but I also really love the arc where Jack and one of the O'Dares, the crooked one, and the Shade go to hell. The poster. Yeah, and I really I, my favorite might have been the, the entire issue might have been the Christmas one shot where they all where they're you know Jack's trying desperately to get to the Christmas dinner and he keeps getting waylaid by having to save people and it, and it was that was a really really good I love those single oh, one shot yeah. holiday issues but and, and another one if I could just keep going there's the at the epilogue to Sand and Stars uh, Jack goes in to visit the Mist who's sort of old and 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 uh, losing his mind and everything and he finds out you know like he was in world war one and that was the thing he's proud of and so he goes to do something for him it's just all these little touches everywhere that are that are really impressive um i know it sounds like uh, you know we're just like and this was good and this was good but that's that's those are kind of books we choose to talk about for these and it also really it reinforces the the james robinson style which i think is not everyone's cup of tea and that is that he really lays the groundwork for a long tapestry. Yes. It's just, and if you have to really be invested in it, and he's doing that, he's been doing that in Superman for years, and and, ob- and it's obviously not people's cup of tea because most people don't seem to like it. I do because I seem to like the style. It's that the stuff he's writing about early on will pay off later on, but you've got to take that long journey with him and go on different directions. And and if you, I, I don't even know what it was like to read this in issues because, well, actually, you can't even say that because half these issues aren't Starman issues; they're showcase issues, but. You know, reading it this way, I wasn't annoyed that the story pulled back. I thought it just added more to the world, and that's sort of the way he does it. They don't always go in a straight line. His stories they they meander back, they back up, they, they double back on themselves, they come back around. In the end, they always come together, at least from my, my experience. But that's I, just the, that's the Robinson style to and me. And I think modern readers, and not necessarily their fault, but the way that that stories are told now. You know, you have to front load everything. You have to sell it, trade in six issues. It has to stand on its own. Yeah, this is it's, this is written for the omnibus. <laughs> yeah, it really is in, in such a way that like, you know, right through the last um, the last arc of the whole thing, Fathers and Sons. I mean, it's all one big thing and it comes together and, and and really it does take a lot of patience because if you think about it, this one starts with issue 16 or so, maybe 17. You know, that's a year and a half into something uh, and it, for, it doesn't move all that fast. It's very intricately plotted and, and put together. It, you know, it takes patience on the part of the reader. I, I don't know that it's a it's a grind though, because no. uh, you know, speaking speaking as as someone who was converted with the 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 first omnibus, um, this was like page after page of just like great surprises. Like, I you know, there's like the Matt Smith art that I loved from the first omnibus. He came back for uh, a Doctor Fate issue, yeah, which is just incredible looking. It was like sort of like. Well, I don't know, it was like Frank Miller and Mike Mignola fused together. And um but one of the things about just this more volume, and more styles. One of the things about this volume is that there's a great deal of artists on it and 
and the names uh, stand out very much uh, as you go through it. They're guys who are J.H. Williams, J. H. Williams, Chris Sprouse, Steve Yowell, um, who did The Invisibles. A lot of people know him from. Uh, it goes on. I mean, there's just there's tons of names and tons of different styles in this. It's just a it's a very it's like a it's like a comic book lovers comic. Oh, we didn't even talk about the final issue, which was the yeah Bobo the Bobo issue, the bank robber who gets super villain and gets out of out of jail, and he's a character straight out of Sinatra. Yeah. And you can just you can just tell how much Robinson loves writing this guy because his dialogue is straight out of the '60s, mm-hmm. but not like the not the hippie '60s, the uh, swing and Rat Pack '60s, the, the and Parker was, '60s. Yeah, it, the uh, Mad Men '60s, and it's just sort of it's that was like that was a great time because that didn't go at all the way I thought it would, and. And then he's, you know, and again in the Robinson essay in the back, he said that was his favorite character. Oh, and, and I mean, I'm not giving really anything away here, but like you can tell how much he loves him when he writes it. That character is important. That character's yeah. around, you know, it's just like even at the end of this, the 30 issues in, he's still introducing new characters and adding to this world. And, you know, you meet uh, Michael or McCall or whatever, and you think, well, that's sort of silly. He's blue and has red hair and like, but he matters. And, and this, you know, this story about Prince Gavin it's going to matter. You know, it's all, it's all tied in. And, and you look, he's got, you know, the future shade is talking about stuff. And the shade's apparently not a bad guy there. Uh, yep. So we know that. Well, it's funny because I've, I've, again, only read this far. And this is as far as I've made it in Starman. And I know a little about the end just from being around comics. You know, you can't not know about big stories and how they end. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's interesting in that sense to see the seeds being planted way, way, way back. And be impressed by that. Mm-hmm. It's really impressive to what to read and, and figure out what, all the stuff he's doing when you when you recognize it, and to think, wow, all the way back then. And he was a young writer. He was an he was a relatively new writer at this mm-hmm. point. And to be to see that he basically had to, to, it's sort of a preacher level plan from a young a guy in his twenties. Longer, actually. Right. Uh, no, yeah. I mean in terms of the impressiveness of the whole, yeah. you know, of achievement for a guy who was in his twenties writing comics. To be, you know, to be fair, also, you know, going through this uh, and having read Preacher also, Preacher actually has more asides, I think, that he decided to do uh, in the middle, whereas this all seems more connected. Like, sure, totally. A ton, ton of threads to bring in together. Um, let's, let's go back a little bit. and we were, were talking about the poster arc. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Th- this is one of the ones that uh, – this always feels like a Hellblazer story almost, um, where there's this guy and he has a – he has an enchanted poster, a poster that he got for making a deal with a demon. It's one of those things that sounds horrible when you explain it's it. It's awful. And like they put the poster up on the wall, and a curious passerby comes along and is like, What's Look at this? that poster. Then hey, the poster. That's a pretty nice poster. Oh, my God. <laughs> the poster then eats him, uh, which supplies the demon owner of the poster with a soul, which then grants uh, immortality to the human owner of the poster. Right. So that's, that's the deal that goes on with this. It's the Dorian Gray thing. Yeah, so there's a big fight, and um, uh, which Odair is it? Matt? Matt? The crooked one, the bad cop. Yeah, the one with the mustache. Yeah, uh, who's the 70s, the, the 70s Odair. Yeah, who's the reincarnated, the reincarnated spirit of Scalp Hunter. <laughs> Again, all of these <laughs> concepts sound terrible when I say them out loud. Uh, and the Shade go in, go in fighting, and then eventually Jack has to go in at the, after them. And then there's this really cool breakdown where they each... All three of those characters end up in their own version of hell, and they've got to you know trick and fight their way out of it. Um, you know, in in that arc, there's the that's the one with uh, see it's the J H Williams art, Tony Harris art, arts, yeah, and, and Gary Erskine or Erskine. I don't know how to say it exactly. Um, 
I just it, and again, it's like a, it's a complete like the the people who are doing that are not the same people who are doing the Bobo story. It seems like, yeah. But yet somehow it all seems to fit together. It seems more like a Hellblazer story than I'd say a Hellboy story. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, because just, the whole trick in the devil and yeah, yeah, no. the demon I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a Constantine story. It yeah, exactly yeah. is. I bet James um, Robinson could do a good Constantine. It's 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 amazing the different types of stories that, and but they all still feel coherent in the world. I mean, they, there's you know the old school JSA stories and the 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 Into Hell story and then the Christmas one shot and then the Bobo story and then the Sandman. They're all almost different styles, but they all work together in the world. And uh, I think this this is the volume that really shows what's coming and shows what what this series is really all about. Like I think. Maybe you read the first one and you're like, oh, I, I kind of like this. I think this is really the one that that cements you in that, oh, this is really, this is something sort of sprawling, something sort of special, something that, that's a lot of different things. Um, and I, I wonder, like, how much of it he knew, you know, and how much of it was developed as he went along. Because, I mean, you're starting a new series about a character that most people don't know. He's brand new. In the He's got two earrings. Early to mid-90s when the... I guess when he started this, the industry was doing fine, but halfway through it, uh, not so much. Um, you know, like <laughs> to, to have the sort of confidence and, and just sort of like, well, I'm just going to keep plowing through. Um, it's something. It's something special. I also, well, I, I think he's sort of benefited from the the time period because I don't know that a book like Starman survives these days. No way in hell. I don't think this book makes it past six or seven or eight issues. This book, this book becomes like the Power Girl of the day. You know. It's a book. It, it would be a book that a very small audience would be really passionate about, and it would get canceled after however many issues. Well, I mean, try to think of a uh, a modern. I, I can't think of a modern equivalent to this, because um, nothing nothing's allowed to get this far. I think the 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 good luck he had was that at the time comics were selling so much there was a lot of spillover. So even the, the side books were selling a lot, not enough to justify their existence, and that's the that's the way the market's changed in the last twenty years. It almost he, feels like the closest thing would be like scalped i was no i was gonna say bendis on avengers it's the only other thing i can think of where he can plan that far ahead and is one mm. guy orchestrating the whole thing what else is there i mean john's on blackest night doesn't even seem as expensive as this does because he's got other people doing parts of it whereas this was all james robinson every single solitary bit the the only comparison i could think of while i was reading it was since with all the asides and, and tangents and everything and and the different art changes was something like house of mystery but that's not nearly as as complex as this in terms of the overarching story i wouldn't think scalp cuz scalp takes a lot of side turns on minor characters and explores in different directions but always comes back to the main story but the main point being i see that this book this book wouldn't survive now mm-hmm. just it just it needed it needed the more popular market where every book was selling a lot mm-hmm. um that's just that's the that's the downside to the industry now but um paul so you 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 took a couple of tries but you ended up liking the first volume did you feel yeah. more or less excited in the second volume well, I was really excited about this just because of the nature of of those asides where you get different art changes and different storytelling styles. And each issue was – or each chapter or each arc was something totally different than the one before. And I could see where that could be frustrating to people who want that overarching narrative. Um, but for me, it was just – this is like a really exciting anthology um, but it has great connective tissue, so you know that later on it's going to amount to something, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. 
Um, but I just uh, like uh, like I said, I, when I saw the Matt Smith art on the one page, and then later on when I saw uh, you know Guy Davis, I'm a big Guy Davis fan, mm-hmm. and I was I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't even expecting. It. I almost dropped the book. I was so excited <laughs> to see that. It was just I love all these artists, and 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 also artists that I didn't know about before. Um, the the uh, issue where um, Starman meets the Mist for the first time. That's uh, the John Watkiss art. It's the, like it, the it looks like it. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's early on. It looks like like a golden age sort of comic. It's it's just really classic looking, and it was just it's it's something that you don't get to see a lot these days. You know, especially you know colored like that. So uh, it was just it was just interesting seeing Robinson, who's obviously. Uh, a great sort of wordsmith get to play around with the wordiness of of the comic, and like you get into the um, the disco thing, and that that's like poetry. Yeah. It's just it's 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 like beat poetry almost, or it, it's it's just it's flowing and just very interesting, and you don't see that in comics. I love that he he goes for uh, narration, um, not just like character you know interior monologues but like the like the actual like storyteller narrative of this is opal city and jack wouldn't know this you know until later but you know stuff like that yeah no it's it's it really it's a tour de force it really it's 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 earned every bit of praise it's ever received over the years i mean this is this is kind of one of those things like if you you go out and you buy this volume this will be one of the best comic books volumes that you own there's, mm-hmm. there's no chance that it's not going to be just in its sheer sort of uh, diversity, but 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 also singularity at the same time, which is odd. I mean, like this is the kind of thing that if again, if you were to describe this to me, like where you're talking about people who want to move the story, I hate diversions. I hate anthologies. I hate flashback episodes. I hate the episode of ER when they're off somewhere else. I hate all that stuff. But like in this, it totally works for me. Um, and that's that that connective tissue, as you put it, which I like very mm-hmm. much. I kept waiting for Jack to grow the goatee, and it kept bothering me. <laughs> it didn't happen until the very end. He's on the cover. He doesn't look right with a goatee. It looks. I I kind of like that Jack is kind of a weird looking guy. Yeah. At least when Tony Harris draws him, when, when other people draw him, he looks kind of like a normal superhero like yeah. face. But Tony Harris, he's not like a good looking guy when Tony Harris draws him. He's just kind of a doofy looking. Think, good well, Tony dude. does Tony does art through um, photography. Like he he finds yeah. a model, he does it that way. Yeah. Um, so there's a guy out there. Who looks I, like I don't know who, but there must be a guy, and he's not Mitchell Hundred. He's this guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I like that he's got like an unusual, distinctive face when Tony Harris draws him. It's not your typical superhero, square-jawed, you know, steely-eyed face. It's just kind of this, this normal, look, you know, normal dude in his twenties. I think it, it helps you relate to him more too. It's it's yeah. he's he's really like uh, an everyman kind of superhero. Like, and you you hear that a lot for other characters, but this, here it's really true. It's it's a guy who is sort of in the in the the huge shadow of of all these superheroes from the past, and sometimes he kind of doesn't want to live up to that. Sometimes he does. You know, in in his heart, he really does want to be one of those heroes. But it's it's definitely just some guy thrust into this lifestyle and and these powers and abilities. And it's, I mean, he, well, he doesn't have superpowers, but he has this, you know, the crazy wand and everything, but he has that legacy to live up to. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things that's interesting, if you go to the back of this, there's like a little retrospective on some of like Starman products that came out. Mm-hmm. And I yep. was looking through it and I thought, well, that's the, again, they're not making this stuff today. <laughs> that's sort of a lower mid-tier book. 
I guess. Like they they came out with like well, look at the belt buckle, a badge, a pin, a watch. I mean like anything they could sell with this guy. And for some reason all of the figures of him, either the statue or the figure, they all have the goatee, which again is not a permanent fixture. So it sounds like around issue 30 they were like, we should put out a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, the goatee is very 90s. I would totally wear a Starman pin, by the way. I was thinking. I, love, you, I was thinking you would when I saw that too. Yeah, I would. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> I love like, the photo covers too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just it's such cool stuff. I feel like they don't do stuff like this now. There's no characters like this now. There's nothing like this. It's weird. I mean, like echoes of this exist. I think that as you read this and you start to get into the JSA stuff, a lot of Jeff Johns's Jsa stuff becomes the origin of it becomes kind of clear like that that like well, yeah well robinson went from this to writing jsa and then he, he almost immediately handed it off to mm-hmm. john so there's a there's a very strong relationship between this stuff and i think if you love the jsa stuff that's coming in the last 10 years there's no way you wouldn't love this stuff he's robinson seems to just adore the but it's not even in the silver age way but he, in a golden age way he just adores these old characters he in a modern setting, but he still adores the characters themselves, and you can see—I mean, you can see the reverence he's got for the JSA characters, even when they don't show up. They're just talked about because um, they're awesome. Okay, any other fawning remarks we need to make? Or <laughs> did you guys notice a typo at one point that I can't—I can't find right now? I don't remember. I think that I, I, think I do. Was, I can't remember what it is. What it is either. It was somebody's name. It was one of the JSA members' names. It was wrong, which which was sort of shocking. But uh, well, you're a stickler. I can't find it now, so it didn't happen. They decided to stick with the authenticity of the original work, and they said, "Hey, <laughs> if it was wrong then, it's wrong now. Damn it!" Yeah, that well, it, and that makes it right. Yeah, it was like uh, I think it was somebody's last name was wrong or something. I don't remember. It's not important. It was one word, one, one, one word balloon. What are you gonna do? Okay, so if you uh, if you want to go check, I don't know if you have if you don't have this already, but you listen to it. I don't think we really ruined anything. All we did was say stuff was good over and over again. Yeah, but why? Because well, there's a lot of diversions and stuff, and you're not allowed to ruin. Well, yeah, and there's also it's not like it's not like there was surprises at the end of things. It was it's character exploration a lot in a way that works. Um, he has a kid. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he does. That's that's a great. Oh man, that's wonderful. Uh, the book is forty nine ninety nine. It ain't cheap. You can get it a lot cheaper than that somewhere. You can go on Amazon. You can go to uh, In Stock Trades. I think that's in there. Um, yep. It's it's one of those series that that you're gonna want to get the whole thing and put it together and it looks real nice on a shelf. I have the thing is even at forty nine ninety nine it's uh-huh. it's a really meaty book. I mean, it is. Meaty seems to be our descriptor of the week, but um, I read this over the weekend and it it took me days mm-hmm. of dedicated reading. Like I was gonna sit down and finish this thing and it still took me two days. You know, nice. I got I got all my money's worth out of this book. It's it's they're very dense stories and a lot of you know Robinson's very wordy in these books, so it's not like you can breeze through it. It's a really uh, it's a lot of you get a lot of value out of these these omnibus omnibuy on the business if you want to comment on this show or you read the book you liked it you didn't like it make sure you go to ifanboy.com tell us your thoughts that's right uh, you can write into contact at ifanboy or uh, send a voicemail to 888fanboys which is 326-2697 jeez I think that's about everything I was so happy to get this one off of my stack I bet you were you have two more <laughs> you have the next two waiting I have three and four, and four's got Hellboy and Batman on the cover. It does. I've forgotten about that. Which uh, is awesome. It also has the star, the uh, the Captain Marvel storyline, which Ooh. is not a high point. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> There's a co-writing thing. It crosses over with another book. We'll, uh, we'll be back soon enough with another book explode. Um, maybe even volume three, or maybe another book. Maybe a whole another book you've never heard of. A new kind of book. You've some never, other kind of book. Some other kind of book you've never heard of. Right. Um, check this space. Yeah. We're gonna try to do this more regularly now <laughs> that we have more time. Um, we're gonna try to do a book explode more with more right. Maybe once a month, or maybe something like I that. But can, I think we can probably do that. Yeah, I would hope. We're basically working a sweatshop here. It's it's horrible. It really is. They yeah, spray me that. with with a hose. <laughs> well, mist. Shouldn't have got lippy. I shouldn't have. <laughs> that'll 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 teach you. All right, let's. We're just flogging here. <laughs> uh, until next time, I'm Conical Patrick. I am Josh Flanagan. I am putting the lotion on the skin. Nice. Oh, the hose again. That was Paul Montgomery, one of our excellent staff writers at iFanboy. See that? Thanks Thank very you. much. We will talk to you later. I love you all. Thank you.